Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. Morning, everyone. It is good to be together. I'm so glad you decided to join us today. And I am really glad that we are, you're here today because we're kicking off this new series, 21 Days of Prayer. But I'll be real with you, it's way more than a series. We're actually entering a season as a church of, you guessed it, 21 days. Why 21 days? It's my favorite number. It's not the reason. I don't even know what my favorite number is. But the reason for 21 days of prayer, maybe you've heard it said, it takes 21 days to form a new habit. We'll not walk over there. (laughs) Takes 21 days to form a new habit. And that sounds really good if it were true. But what you might not know is that that wasn't actually discovered or or stated by a psychologist, it was actually a plastic surgeon in the 1950s. You see, Maxwell Maltz was uh, observing his patients after the operations that he would do, and what he observed was that if like a patient had a nose job, it took about 21 days for that person, once they would look in the mirror, to then recognize kind of their new facial structure. Or say a patient had a leg or an arm amputated. He noticed that it took the patient about 21 days until they stopped feeling a phantom limb. So he's observing this in his patients and then he figures, I should take a look at my own life. So he starts to observe his own life and what he realizes is that it takes about 21 days for him to adjust to any kind of change or form a new habit. So what he did was in 1960, he published a book called Psycho-Cybernetics, and in that book he famously said this, these and many other commonly observed phenomena tend to show that it requires a, a minimum of about 21 days for an old mental image to dissolve and a new one to gel. Well, the book went viral before viral was a thing. It sold over 30 million copies, and just about every major self-help guru has picked up on this idea and what has happened over the years it was basically a game of telephone a very long game of telephone now of course maxwell maltz said it this way a minimum of about 21 days popular notion it takes 21 days to form a new habit now that has been said so many times that most of us believe it and most people believe it But it's a myth because what health psychology researcher Philippa Lally and her team concluded, uh, she's a a health psychology researcher and, and they did some deep work on habit formation and what does it take to form a habit. And what they found is that it actually takes on average 66 days for a habit to be formed. But really it can take anywhere from 18 days to 254 days. Pretty crazy, right? Apparently, habit formation is not one size 
fits all. So now as we set out to make prayer our default posture, whether it's in action or in reaction, we want to be a people who pray first. And as we set out at the the beginning of 21 days of prayer with this goal of becoming a praying people, just know this, you're a snowflake. Like, you are unique, and as as long as it's going to take you to form this habit of prayer, it's going to take a different amount of time for those around you. We're each unique. But whether it takes 18 days, 21 days, 254 days, a habit is formed one day at a time. So what do you say? How about for 21 days, we link arms together and we get a running head start to become a people who pray first, who, who pray as the way we start our day, who pray when we encounter various things throughout our day. Now, whether you have never prayed, whether you pray desperate prayers and that's the only time you pray, or you pray regularly, my prayer is that you will grow in prayer over the next 21 days. Personally, I'm very excited for this series. I'm looking forward to it because at times, prayer can feel like a struggle. I'll be be praying and and trying to focus on God and, and then I'll find my mind wandering. I'm now all of a sudden working through my to-do list for the day. Or maybe I sit down and I try to write my prayers out to keep my mind on track. But if you were to look at my prayer journal, sometimes it looks a lot more like a wish list than some kind of conversation thread between me and God. Maybe, maybe you can relate. Like, you know you should pray, but how? How do you pray by yourself? That's what we're going to answer today, and we're going to do it by looking to Jesus himself. We're going to look to his model of prayer and also the message he taught on prayer. So if you've got a Bible, I would invite you to turn with me to Luke 22. We're going to pick up in verses 39 through 46 here in just a sec. If you need a Bible, we've got free Bibles in the back for you. You can also follow along in our church app, which if you don't have the app, you are going to want the church app for this season because we've got other tools, other resources that I'll mention later, but you're going to want to be able to access those, and they're all for free in the app. Now, first, what we're going to do is we're going to learn from Jesus' model on prayer and see how we should pray, and then we're going to take a look at what he taught about prayer, his message on prayer. And by the end of this message, you're going to have a game plan. We're going to have a game plan to engage with God in prayer, to grow in prayer, to grow in our relationship with God over the next 21 days. But first, why don't we do this? Let's pause and let's pray and let's ask Jesus to speak to us about prayer. Lord, we come before you and we are eager to grow in our relationships with you. Would you please speak now as we open your word? Would you speak through your word? Would you speak through me? And would you teach us what you want to teach us, each one of us, about prayer? It's in your name we pray. Amen. We have accounts uh, from Jesus' life where he prayed in in various settings, various times. There are actually several accounts where Jesus prayed. And we're going to look at one such account. This is actually an account right before he died on the cross. Jesus is in a garden And he wants to spend some time, some much needed time with his father before 
well, what's to come? So Luke writes this, and he records it for us, and we're going to just I'm gonna read the whole account, and then we'll break it down together, starting in Luke 22, verse 39. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The, the contrast between Jesus and his disciples and the experience they had that night in prayer is pretty stark, isn't it? You have Jesus earnestly praying. And then we see the disciples asleep while they should be praying. I've never completely fallen asleep while praying, but I can relate to the disciples here. I'm, I've become pretty good at daydreaming while praying, but I want to be more like Jesus. And when I look at Jesus and how he prayed here, a few things stand out to me. The first thing is that Jesus had a place to pray. Verse 39 said, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. He went out to the Mount of Olives, to the Garden of Gethsemane. There's a, a picture that I'll show up on the screen. The, the text says Jesus went out as usual, which leads me to believe that Jesus typically went to this place to pray. And when he got there, he was ready to pray because praying is what he did there. It's kind of like when you get in bed and your body knows, okay, it's time to fall asleep. Where we pray can actually cue us to pray. It's just one of the ways that God has created our bodies. Now, one of my favorite places to pray is right up here on the bluffs. It's literally right here behind the rec center. What I do is I like to hike up the trail that's right over by the park here. It's a 10 minute walk. And as I walk, I just kind of quiet my mind. And then when I get to the top and I can look out, not just over the rec center, but over the whole city of Lone Tree, South Denver, can really see the, a lot of the front range here. It's, it's incredible. When I get up there, I love to pray. Like Jesus, I'm trying to find a prayer place. The, the second thing, Jesus postured himself to pray. Verse 41, he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. Couple things to note here. Jesus withdrew to pray. I appreciate that because sometimes I need to withdraw to pray. It's like to, to free myself from the distractions. Good distractions, but distractions nonetheless. I need to free myself from those distractions so that I can focus on God. Uh, the second thing, Jesus postured himself, like he knelt down. And it's like this, this physical representation of his heart as he's surrendering himself to the Father in the Father's will. Now, when I'm up on the bluffs, I don't often kneel. What I, what I feel led to do is I'll, put my, I'll stretch my arms out, sometimes one, sometimes two, and, and just like pray for different areas of our region because I can see 
way further than I can see when I just stand on the regular ground. And I, I pray for the hospital, and I pray for favor with you know the people we know here at the rec center, and and all the way up to DTC and the city of Denver. And there's so much to pray for. The third thing about Jesus is he had a plan when he prayed. Verse 42, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. That sounds a little different than my prayers. I, I Like Jesus, I jump right in and I will tell God all the things I want him to do for me. Provide for this. Make a way for that. Show me favor over here. Bless this. It's as if I go before God like he's some cosmic vending machine. And I'm like, I'd like this and that and this. And that's just not how Jesus approached prayer. Jesus goes, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. So like he asks, there's nothing wrong with asking. God wants to know our heart. But here's what Jesus' ultimate plan was. His plan was to submit his will to the Father's will. He says, not my will, but yours be done. So, inspired by Jesus and his, his kingdom-mindedness, like, that he, he's about something bigger than himself. When I go up to the bluffs, I try not to ask for provision for this or favor for that. What I instead try to do is, is just pray that God's kingdom will come, that his will will be done here in South Denver, as it is in heaven. Because that's what we need. We need more of Jesus in our lives, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods. So as I observe Jesus, I, I just wonder, like, what would the difference be if we had a place, a posture, and a plan when we prayed? Now, say you gave it a shot this week. You tried this. You have your Bible and journal. You head out to your back porch, and you're ready to pray. What do you do? What do you do when you don't know how to pray? To answer that question, let's turn to Luke 11, where Jesus taught on prayer. And he teaches us how we can pray. This is something you could implement this week. Luke 11, we'll start in verses 1 through 4. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. There he is, praying in a place again. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. This prayer has famously come to be known as the Lord's Prayer. And it's a beautiful example of what it can look like to pray. It's not a formula on how to pray, but if you've never prayed before, it's a great place to start. If your prayers have grown stale, it's a great refresh for your prayers. And the amazing thing about the Lord's Prayer is you can pray it verbatim. You can pray it word for word. When I was in elementary school, I went to a private Christian elementary school and our teachers had us memorize the Lord's Prayer and then we would recite it regularly as a class. Another thing you can do is you could use the Lord's Prayer as a guide, like a template, an outline for what it could look like to pray. Now, I, I personally prefer that method a little bit more just because it feels less rote and feels more relational, which is really the goal of prayer after all. 
Now, there's a, a simple acronym that I've shared before uh, that pray, and it, each letter kind of captures something that we see in Jesus' prayer here. It, it's not that you have to pray this way, but if you're looking for some place to start, here's what it stands for. P stands for praise. Jesus began, Father, hallowed be your name. He's praising God for who he is. Similarly, when we pray, we should acknowledge God for who he is. We should praise him. We should honor him. R stands for repent. We see Jesus say, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. May we be a people who, as we're before our holy God, we repent. We, we ask God to forgive our sins. And then we would go his way instead of our way. A, ask Jesus in verse three, give us each day our daily bread. Some of us are really good at this. This is where I'm strong. Like I'm great at asking God for things. And we should ask. He wants to hear what's on our heart. He wants to, to hear what's keeping us up at night. So ask, knowing that he hears you. And then the why yield. Jesus not only modeled this in his own prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, he teaches his disciples, your kingdom come. That's how we should pray. This isn't about our kingdom. The world is seeking their own kingdoms, the, the building up bigger houses, nicer cars, more fashionable clothes. That's what the world is after. As followers of Jesus, we're after something else, something better, something that's going to pass or never going to pass. It's, it's going to continue. We're, we're after God's kingdom coming where his rule and his reign is realized. We're after something different. Let's pray. Praise, repent, ask, yield. It's not the only way you can pray. It's not even the exact same order of how Jesus prayed. It's just a way to pray. So if you've never prayed before, what if you tried it this week? Or maybe, maybe your prayer life has grown a little stale. At once you were on fire, you couldn't wait to pray. You prayed first thing in the morning, you prayed when you got the news that prayer was your default. But it's kinda, you just kinda are going through life like blah. What if you refreshed your prayer life? What if we did this? What if we picked a regular place? practiced a new posture, and then planned to pray. Like, we just gave it a shot. And just see what God does this week, over the next 21 days. Now, we want to make this as, as easy for you and as unifying for us as a church as possible. So what we've done is we've created just a very simple prayer guide for the next 21 days. You can access it in the app. If you go to the Messages tab on the bottom, you're going to see and one of, the, one of the first things there is going to be 21 days of prayer. If you click on that, you're going to see literally 21 days built out of Scripture that you can read and pray back to God. To do this, we're going through a variety of the Psalms and seeing how God's people over the centuries have related with God, how, have honestly communicated and just laid their hearts out before Him and talked to Him about who they know He is. So we're not going through, you know, Psalm 1, Psalm 2, Psalm 3. That would take 150 days. Instead, what we're doing is we're getting a 21-day head start, and we're going to get a sampling of how God's people have prayed over the last couple thousand years. So you can get that all in the app.
Maybe, maybe spending time with God isn't a new practice for you. Maybe you're familiar with having a chair time. You're used to, to having that time with God where you read your Bible, where you pray, where you're, where you're seeking Him. But maybe it has grown a little stale. Try changing up your place. Maybe instead of being inside, you go outside. It's a beautiful time of year for that. Try changing your posture. Instead of sitting, maybe you try kneeling. In, in humble submission, or maybe you lay flat on the floor just in complete submission to God, in awe of His reverence. Or, you know, maybe it's you need to mix up your plan. So you're going to press pause on the devotional plan you're doing right now, and you're like, you know what, for 21 days, why not? Let's go through the Psalms and let's grow in prayer. Sometimes experiencing God in a new way is as simple as trying a new thing. So give it a shot. Try something new. Now, when his disciples asked him how to pray, Jesus taught them how to pray, but he had far more to say on why we should pray. And to prove that point or to, to illustrate that point, this is how he said it. Verse five, then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? When you read this passage, it's really tempting to go right to verses 9 and 10 and just like pluck them out of the middle of the passage and then build our whole case for prayer on these verses because I kind of like these verses. I don't know about you. It says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, the door will be opened. When you look at those verses, it appears that like all you got to do is press the prayer button and then boom, it falls from heaven. It's like, God, please help me ace the test. Nailed it. Or, God, please give me the promotion at work. Boom. You got the job. Like, but that's not how prayer works. And it's certainly not the point. Jesus' model, Jesus' message teaches us something different. Prayer isn't a button to be pushed. It's about a relationship to be pursued. Carrie Newhoff, a pastor author who lives north of the Toronto area, says that, and I feel like it captures Jesus' message on prayer. Uh, when teaching why we should pray, Jesus opened with a story of a friend coming to another friend to provide for yet another friend. It's relational. And he, he closed with another story of a father earthly father giving gifts to their kids. And the point being that if even earthly fathers want to give good gifts to their kids, imagine how good the gifts are in 
the ultimate gift is from our good Heavenly Father. You see, beyond the, the things that He'll give us, the giver's actually the gift. The ultimate gift is the Holy Spirit. Jesus put it this way, How much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? It's all about a relationship. It's all about a person. And I don't know if you're, what your experience has been, but in relationships, when I press buttons, it doesn't go well. I was a pro button pusher with my brother growing up, and it just always ended in a fight. Even still, there have been days after a long day where I'm, I'm tired and just kind of over it, and I'll press Amanda's buttons. It still doesn't go well. Pressing buttons doesn't work well in relationships. So if we, if we approach prayer like it's a button to be pushed, we're going to be disappointed. But if we persist in prayer, coming to God, seeking the giver, not the gift, if we persist in prayer, we will not be disappointed. Because Jesus promises us right here that his very presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit, is the ultimate gift. So we know that every time we fold our hands, we bow our heads, we close our eyes, we know that we are in God's presence. Not because of these religious motions, but because when we pray, He is there. He is present. Now, I have have three daughters. Hannah, our oldest, is four and a half. Chloe is two, and Abigail is almost five months and being outnumbered at home means that when I go to the store, often I will take the older two in tow and Amanda will stay home with our youngest, who she's nursing. And as we walk around the store, I love the time with the girls. It's a good time. From the car ride there to the walking around, the whole deal. Now, as we're walking around the store, something inevitably happens. Hannah or Chloe will see something that they want. It could be a toy, it could be a piece of candy, and they do a great job of not just informing me, their father. They do a great job of telling the entire store that they would like this thing. And because I love them, sometimes I say yes. Sometimes I say not now, and sometimes I say no. You can't have that. Now, I will leave their responses up to your imagination. It's not hard, not hard to imagine, though, is it? We, we've all seen it. We've all seen the kid jumping up and down because he got the thing. Or the little girl melting down because she didn't. We, some of us have been there as, as a parent. All of us have been the kid. And what Jesus is saying is that God is a good father. And as God is a good father who loves us, his kids, sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says not now. And God sometimes says no. Why does God say yes to them and no to us? Or yes to us and not now to them? We're not always going to know. But what we do know is that when when we persist in prayer, 
when we keep going before our Heavenly Father, who is good, who loves us, we will not be disappointed. Because the point of prayer is His presence. So as you think of praying the next 21 days and beyond, pray not as a button to be pushed, but as a relationship to be pursued. Let me pray for us. Lord, would you help us to pray towards that end? We're not trying to get something from you. We're not trying to have you grant our every wish. We just want to know you more. We want to know you like we know a friend. We want to be compelled by your love. We want to be experience peace in your presence. Help us to pray. Jesus, thank you for teaching us how to pray. We're expectant to see how we grow, not just in prayer, but in our relationships with you over the next 21 days. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.